This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life. Welcome everyone to Tall Radio Presents. I'm your host, Ken Outerkirk, and every week we highlight an executive that's making a difference in our community, and I'm really looking forward to speaking with our guest today, Stephen Ives. Steve serves as the president and CEO of the YMCA of Greater Houston, and with 34 Ys in the community, it's one of the largest Ys in the nation. It's great having you with us today, Steve. Well, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. And as a way of getting started, why don't you tell us a little about yourself and your background? Well, I'm a 35-year career Y guy. Started as a part-time lifeguard in Portland, Maine, and have uh, meandered across the country in various roles. But I I did jump into the CEO role early in my life. So I was 29 years old when I got my first CEO role in the YMCA. Led a small Y in Southern Maine for 11 years in Biddeford, Maine, and then went to Lawrence, Massachusetts, a little larger market, bigger city, and uh, different dynamics. And so I I was able to lead that YMCA for 10 years. While I was there, I went and got my MBA at Northeastern University, was really uh, connected with the Boston market, enjoyed that immensely, but learned a lot about social enterprise and innovation and entrepreneurship through through that MBA practice that I've applied to my work ever since in a much more meaningful way. After 10 years at the Merrimack Valley YMCA in Lawrence, Massachusetts, I went to Columbus, Ohio to be in another bigger city, more diverse city, you know, uh, a, a growth market. And after three and a half years there was asked to come to a, a meeting in Houston to talk with their board about their planning for replacing their CEO. And I, I said, geez, that would be a really cool process to be a part of. Please be clear that my wife and I uh, have a zero to none chance of uh, having any interest in moving to Houston. So it'll be a very <laughs> pure meeting. And here I sit three and a half years later, as, uh, still in Houston. So the world has a way of of uh, making decisions for you sometimes. But um, here at the Y in Houston for three and a half years, obviously gone through a an extraordinary experience, uh, unlike anything we could ever imagine in our work. Um, but my my wife's here with me and settling into the Houston climate and the the experience of being in this big city. And I have a, have a two daughters. One is in L.A. Uh, and one is in Boston. So we have to find places in the middle of the country to meet up, which we'll be doing next week. Perfect. Perfect. And that's really interesting that you brought that up about going down to Houston. I mean, what was it like you said, it was a pure meeting where it's like, sure, I'll hear you. But. Moving down to Houston, I've been a Northeast guy my whole life. What drew you to the Y in Houston? And what was the inspiration <laughs> for introducing that to your wife that, hey, let's uh, let's move down to this part of the country and biting off what looks like would have been a massive challenge at the time? Well, there were some dynamics playing out in our in our life and in our conversations around our future in July of 2018. And, and she had said to me, you know, I know it's, you know, you've only been here three and a half years, but you know, let's just take a period of time and faithfully observe what happens around us. And if you get a call, I think you owe it to your family and to yourself to at least take that call. And it was two weeks later, I got the call from Houston and, you know, I, I just, I just didn't imagine, you know, her, you know, coming to a big city like Houston in the South, the heat, right. you know, so far away from so far away from our children, 
And, you know, when I explained to her what it was, I said, it's, it really is, it'll be very interesting. It'll help me understand what the possibilities out there are if we want to start exploring in the next couple of years. And it was when it didn't seem like anything was going to happen with it, which was my expectation and plan. And, you know, I explained that to her and we started having a deeper discussion just about what we want and need. And she, she actually said she was a little disappointed that nothing happened with the Houston possibility yet. So it was a bit surprising to me, but as, as we talked it through, there was a couple of key elements. One is before my roots get too deep in another community that I have to rip them out of because we really loved it in Columbus. Um, if we're going to make another move sooner than later, it might be better. And secondly, she just said, I'm up for an adventure. It's a whole different part of the world we don't even know anything about. And our, you know, when we went to Ohio, we got out the Atlas and we toured the state. We checked out all state parks. We love camping. We love like really learning about a whole new part of the country that we weren't aware or weren't familiar with. And so just a few days later, I got a call asking me to come back for a second visit and said that they wanted to be more serious about our conversation. And so my wife and I had already had that conversation. So we were ready. And it really was the two of us that um, made the decision, which, you know, I think, to be honest, earlier in my career, a lot was driven by the opportunity that arose for me. And this was this was a different experience. And the board was amazing at treating it that way. When we visited town, they they were very interested in Lisa and how things were going to work mm-hmm. out. In fact, when they made the offer, they made it to Lisa. They said, Lisa, <laughs> Steve, to accept it. But that makes sense. From the business standpoint, you know, I quickly recognize that, oh, if I'm going to do something big, this is a place to do it. This is, you know, I've, I've got this sort of last leg of my career. I've been at it 35 years and there's another seven or eight, maybe 10 years in me. And I want to be doing it on a scale that is as significant and impactful as I possibly could be. And Houston was it, a big city, massive market, you know, going to 8 million people. The first Y I served had a, had a service area of 35,000 people. And so this is a whole different ball game and very exciting to be able to take that experience uh, from being the hands-on exec to being the creative, innovative, inspirational, hopefully leader of this area and this region. The second thing that really attracted me, there were three things that actually attracted me. Um, one was that, but the other was the, the, the focus on philanthropy by this board. You know, I challenged them early on in our conversations that some why somewhere has got to figure out, you got to demonstrate that 30% or so of our revenue can come from philanthropy. We deserve that. We can, we can put philanthropic dollars to work as well, if not better than most any other entity and organization. And uh, we are, we're diverse in terms of what we can do. And so they looked at me and said, well, we, we're the ones that can do that. And I, I explained to them that that was about $20 million more a year than they were raising. And they essentially said, we, Steve, we know how to do math. So yeah, yeah. It was, it was clear that they were serious about it, bold and courageous. And I thought, well, that would be exciting to be part of. And then just the diversity of this area, the idea of being exposed to dynamics with the border, dynamics with, you know, integrating people. And this Y has a large division called International Services that supports people. We, we do refugee resettlement. We do work with women and men who are escaping human trafficking. Just the social service arm of this Y is beyond anything I've ever been part of. And that was, you know, having started my career actually as a social worker, 
It's a bit like coming back home to be doing that kind of work in the Y world beyond the centers and the fitness and the recreation and camps, et cetera. Well, one thing that I noticed is that you have a business background. And mm-hmm. I was wondering that when you were coming into this Y or any Y that you might be walking into, is that something new for a Y that, they, that they're bringing in more of a business angle from this? Um, and just- I wouldn't say it's new, but it's part of the future. There, you know, mm-hmm. certainly the business of the Y is far more complex than it's ever been and just got disrupted. You know, our, our primary business model just got disrupted substantially. Um, innovation is a huge, that was an impetus for this board. They, they wanted out of the box, innovative thinking. I warned them. I said, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> but that, that was what they wanted. And uh, they've encouraged and supported that and rallied around um, the most of the ideas that that I've brought forward here. So I would say, you know, my my background is actually social work. I'm I'm a, you know, I was on the path to become a licensed social worker. My undergraduate degree is in speech communication, so I'm a communication guy for sure. Uh, but I learned the business of the why by being thrown into it at a young age. Suddenly running a, a why. It was small, but it was all the elements were there around marketing, PR, around uh, accounting and audits. And you know, I, I just got an education in those 10 years there. And then I went back and got the technical expertise. And it was because I, I, I had this desire to go back to school. I could have gotten a master's in social work or in organizational development or something along those lines. But I said, yeah, this is the, that's the area that I'm interested in and that I have the least amount of technical expertise in. And so I I was able to do a deep dive in entrepreneurship, innovation, accounting, cost accounting, you know, unlock the whole secret of deb- debits and credits and double-sided account, all those things that you don't really think about much when you're when you're running programs. You're thinking of just an income statement, income and expense, and all oh, the balance sheet is that thing that they talk about once in a while. So, you know, it just pulled a lot of things together for me. So yes, I think that that was interesting to the board to have someone who who, who had Develop those skills over time. I didn't start out as a business person. I started out as a social impact person and a social work person. Built into it. Yes. So something that caught my eye, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, was when I was doing my research, you said that you're passionate about the power of social enterprise. Yes. And I hadn't heard of that term, and I was hoping that you might unpack that a little. Sure. Bit. Well, this was like an aha for me while I was in business school. We went to Mexico City to spend a week of learning with people from all around the world. And the whole focus of all the cases we read were on this concept called the social enterprise. And so we did a deep dive into research and studies and case studies around companies that have used their entrepreneurship, innovation, and business model to achieve social good. So there's there's doing doing well so that you can do good, like make money so you can give it to charity and help others along the way and help. And then there's also doing doing good while doing well. And that was the, the whole idea that the very nature of the business you're operating. So we have B Corps and we have this, this idea of even for-profit social enterprises that are completely designed to affect or impact a, a social need in the community. So honeybee Africa, you know, takes takes hives, puts them on farmers' land, um, gets the goes and gets complete connection with their supply chain. So the quality is higher. They sell their honey at a higher price point, and the farmers double their their annual income by simply having a hive and tending to it on their 
on their property. Well, you know, it was a it was using the business, the market of you know high quality honey, and uh, putting it to work to change the life for for farmers so they could continue farming in Africa. And so there's story after story after story of companies that have applied that, you know, and then some of the marketing campaigns that companies have done that are about affecting body image. You see a lot more of that now in the cosmetics and in skincare, you know, this, this whole idea that we can actually help reshape people's body image by the pictures that we put, the stories we tell through our advertising. And so there's a whole, all of that's together. So we, we're in the middle of all of these, reading these cases and talking about this whole idea that you can actually do good while doing well. And you don't necessarily have to just make money to give to charity and let it, let it sit there. And that there are business models that can change the world just to sit and they were, we were asked to put on a scale from, you know, the far left is completely for profit, you know, ownership focused and the far right was, was the, the social enterprise. And they asked us to put on that scale where we saw the business that we were running. And I, it was like this, uh, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I've known it, but I haven't really put words. I run, a, I run like a, probably one of the original social enterprises, you know, the organization, the why has been very adept at income generation through fee for services or memberships or other things in, and then has layered on the philanthropy. And the idea around that is that you've got the, you're actually doing good by having, having people get better and be uh, more tightly knit in community, getting, you know, understanding that the reason we do membership is for that. It's, it's not to make money. It's for social impact of, of, of people being in community in a, in a welcoming, friendly, non-judgmental environment, and having access to opportunities to elevate their their well-being and their health. Well, at the same time, we also make some revenue to cover those costs and to cover my salary and to cover our administrative stuff, so that the philanthropy we do can be much more focused on accelerating what we're doing or amplifying what we're doing or helping using the strength of the Y to fill a certain gap in societal need. And so it's been. To me, I've been on fire my whole life, but even more so since I finished that course of, or, and then started applying some of these concepts to real life things that we were doing. You know, the why we built in Andover, Massachusetts was, you know, in a wealthy community, and our headquarters were in a in a, one of the poorest communities in the in in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and. You know, people are like, oh, we'll, we'll give money to Lawrence. Why would we give to Andover? And we put together this whole business plan that showed the social enterprise, showed what an investment here would do for the long run capacity to serve the greatest needs in. And we, we got gifts that were beyond anything we ever imagined. And people told us that the idea of giving as investing is really exciting and intriguing not just giving to fill a hole, giving to invest in the capacity to um, you know, sustainably fill that hole. That's awesome. That's exactly what, you know, tell radio and uh, touch a life giving. That's what that's all about is finding the, those people that really want to help, but showing them that route yes. of uh, how they, how they can help. So that's, that's amazing. Now with the why it's the mission of the why, you know, you're continuously fighting systemic problems that are in communities all over the world and all in Houston is such a gigantic city. Mm -hmm. How do you as a CEO triage the needs of Houston and decide what the why is going to lean into and put its, its attention on? Well, first, I pay attention right to what's going on around, build relationships, um, continually 
my whole three and a half years here, as I talk to government leaders or business partners, all of this is how can we be helpful? Taking that stance. We have 21 full facility YMCAs. We have, you know, another 15 or 20 you know, outreach centers. We have 200 sites. We do school age child care. We have, you know, 150,000 people, you know, in, in good times to a quarter of a million people engaged with us. We have a brand that is highly regarded. We have a strong board. We have fundraising capacity. How can we be helpful? And, you know, how can we be involved in some of the most pressing needs? So I've, you know, based on my experience in Columbus, where we were, did a lot of work in the housing arena, I've had lots of, you know, productive thought partnership conversations around housing in Houston. Um, and then, you know, this, this whole thing with violence and in particular confidence in our policing, police reform. You know, I got the call a year ago from the mayor asking me to serve as the chair of the independent police oversight board. I thought, what? <laughs> Basically said, that's how you <laughs> can be helpful. Yeah, that's how you can be helpful. Here's how you can be helpful. And, you know, I had, we had this great conversation with our board about, okay, was, is there too much risk in this? You know, what about reputational risk? All this stuff. It quickly got to, Steve, if you got to quit your job in order to do that for our city, you should do it. And when I heard wow. those kinds of things coming from our board, uh, from, I'm not ready to quit a job yet, but I can, uh, uh, that certainly says a lot about um, what people think about the, my leadership and, and quite frankly, the Y's name, the Y as an institution being there. So for a year, I've led that committee. I've been part of you know, deep conversations within the police department about their cultural change they're undergoing. They're doing some amazing work. And I've gotten to go on a retreat with the command staff and you know, work on mindfulness and meditation with the chief of police and gain a whole, a whole appreciation for the hard work they're doing to change culture and to influence performance and ultimately public sentiment and confidence in policing. Well, so that came to me, right? Back to, to answer your question, having the feelers out there being open to everything and then the thing or things that make sense, leaning into them if there's alignment with, with who we are and what our capacity is. Very cool. So you mentioned, you know, you you come in and you have somewhat of you're you're getting your feet wet and you're having somewhat of a normal year. Then the world shuts down and everything gets blown up. And now we're coming out on a little bit of the other side of that. You know, what's the big you know, what's the next big hairy audacious goal for YMCA of Greater Houston? Where where do you go from here? Right. So we quickly. You know, they, they want an out-of-the-box thinker. They got one. Uh, yeah. We quickly moved from, oh, my gosh, we're shut down to we got one thing open. It's our mm-hmm. website. It's our virtual presence. And so we're going to focus there and build from there. And whatever we do will be a building upon that um, instead of that being an afterthought. So we invested quite a bit into our web presence, our digital presence, all of that kind of stuff. But we also use that as an opportunity to launch an idea that I had been had brewing for three or four years prior to getting here. And that was this idea that we could have a membership that people could join that had no interest in using a gym. And just acknowledging the fact that it became, it was, there was no argument, you know, March 20th when we'd been shut for a week. Right. That, yeah, this is why people are members of Y. It's because we have a gym, because we have fitness programs, because we have um, great family programs. And there was a there were about fifteen thousand of our memberships that maintained their membership because they care about the cause. And I thought, 
this is just validation that you know that people can and will join us be part of us because they believe in us and they believe in who we are so we've done a lot of work on our brand presence through through covid seeing some great you know upticks in people's perception of us and who we are in community and have rolled out this impact membership model and so now whenever anybody comes to participate in a program at the Y there's no non-members you know you're a member you know it's part of the deal it comes with the program pricing and so you're either an impact membership or or a full facility member and you know we we thought you know we'd like to get to five five thousand you know impact members wouldn't that be cool we're now at over ten thousand um, impact member units and close to half the people joining as an impact member on a month-to-month basis aren't joining to join a program or you they are just joining to because they saw the message and they are interested and want to be part of it. And so I, I this, the future for us is building that out and hopefully bringing it to scale within the Y movement. There's six or seven other large Ys that are intrigued and want to know, they want to not make the same mistakes we've made. So we're going to, we're going to be figuring out how to help that happen. We also uh, launched a new approach to opening new Ys during uh, post COVID. And that was with our new Y up in spring, things were in works to build a Y. We, we had some funding for it, then we got shut down. And so we had a great strategic conversation with the funders about this idea of an outdoor venue um, that doesn't have doesn't require the costs and the upfront costs or the operating costs of a full facility. And so we've modeled that uh, up in spring. We now have, I think, I think it's like two or two or 3,000 people that are members, no facility all built upon the impact membership model, $25 a month, become an impact member, and then buy the programs that you want. Um, your impact membership will help support our being here and will give you access to some cool experiences as well as our virtual experiences. And you can sign up for programs as an impact member. And so I, I think more of that, I think we'll be more nimble as we go into parts of the city that we haven't been in before. We've got this model with, with apartment complex outreach where the apartment complex owner might give us an apartment or two that we turn into a program space. We deploy staff there to do after school, summer programs with kids. Uh, teaching safety around water those so we're, we're out there close to close to where our, we're needed most i think this um this sort of model of a of a, a outdoor venue first and then see where it goes it, it will probably be deployed so much more going forward there's a lot more but those are the big ones that's very cool and it's so much i i always admire you know all the plates that are spinning you know and just trying to keep Keep everything spinning as one wobbles, spinning that one back up and rain to the next mm-hmm. to the next thing. So that's that's awesome. Now, do you guys run? You have your day to day and your programs. One of the things that and this, we'll get uh, out, but there was something that I that I saw that I didn't know. I knew about the why and how they affect kids, and there's so many great stories about there about why affected people as they were growing up. Mm-hmm. Something that I didn't know though was about your senior programs. Yeah. And I didn't know if that was new. Is that something that's always gone along? Could you tell us a little bit more about the senior programs? That you oh, guys we've always, on? as far as I can remember, you know, had an active involvement or engagement in older adults. You know, we like to call them active older adults. And, you know, when I was in Massachusetts, we built an active healthy living center for older adults into the new Y that we built. 
Um, the programming, we've got some fantastic people are doing amazing things, Dancing with the Silver Stars event that we do, the various centers all like, put teams together and compete. I just walked down the hall, I'm officing now at, at one of our YMCA's, I walked down the hall and there were older adults in with having a game day. This, you know, for them, isolation is probably as big an issue as physical fitness. And why creates this wonderful space where uh, they're not just with, they're seeing people of all different ages and physical abilities and, and ethnicities and, and backgrounds. They're getting to see and be exposed to all of that um, here at our, here at YMCA. So no, it, I think our programming got a little more focused through COVID because, you know, all of the funding cycles, third party billing, all that kind of stuff disappeared. And so, we were really focused on the, the affordability through the impact membership model, as well as accessibility through financial assistance for them um, and still have a, have a great cadre of, of older adults living an active life. That's awesome. And this has been great, Steve. And as you know, our goal is to introduce people that want to help with people that are actively helping in their communities. If someone wanted to get involved, if a corporation or a person wants to get involved, they don't quite know how, what advice would you give? Um, if it's the YMCA, www.ymcahouston.org, it's, it's got a lot of information there. And there's a corporate page um, that we're spinning up that'll, that'll help people understand the volunteering as well as membership, as well as, um, I guess, walking alongside us with some of our initiatives that, that are available through our corporate partnerships. I mean, individuals, vol volunteering is always there, but gosh, I, I would encourage you, if it's the why, walk into a facility and ask some questions, you know, find the one that's nearest to you, but uh, definitely do some research on the website. It's a, it's a comprehensive story of our impact, our intentions in the community, as well as um, who we are and what's available. And that's awesome. And if we have listeners that want to reach out and want to help uh, the YMCA of Greater Houston, how can they reach out? What was that website one more time? YMCAHouston.org. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today uh, and sharing your story. You're doing such a great job out there with everyone and uh, really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.